HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, February 12th, a day before another snowstorm in New York City. We've had quite the winter. And this is the sixth show of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today we're going to be talking hospitality policies and much more with my special guest, who I will introduce in a moment. And as I do on every show, I will have my PR tip, speed round questions, restaurant industry news, solo dining experience of the week, and the final question. So as the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip off the show with my PR tip of the, of the week. Today's tip is to master follow-up. Okay, now there's two parts of this. The first with follow-up, it applies to when you make a new contact at an event or a business meeting or wherever you are, and you get their business card. Don't wait for the other person to follow up with you. Go ahead and reach out to them about whatever you discussed or just to say nice to meet you. It is the first step to starting a good relationship. Next, the second part is applies to follow up when it comes to pitching and the media. It's, it's tricky because there's a fine line between being assertive and being annoying when you are pitching. You want to stay on your press contacts good side, so you don't want to pester them, but you still need to do follow-up as it's your job. An example of what not to do is send an email and then call the person 10 minutes later and ask if they got your email. We know how email works. Yes, they received your email, so this is not good practice. Instead, what works better is if you send an email and then check back a few days later or the next week with a follow-up question or additional information. Sometimes the media does need a reminder and a little push, but be careful. Too many emails with you circling back and being too persistent may hurt more than help. Yes, PR is tricky, 
So master follow-up. Now, if anyone has feedback on these weekly tips I've been giving, I would, I would love to hear it. You can reach out to me on my Facebook page, All in the Industry, and share with me your tips and what you think. We can definitely learn from each other. Okay, so now, I'm so happy to have my guest here today. It is Andrew Ridgey. He is the Executive Director of the NYC Hospitality Alliance, a trade association formed to foster the growth and vitality of the industry that has made New York City the hospitality capital of the world. Growing up working at his family's fourth-generation bakery and cafe in Queens, Andrew was destined for a career in the hospitality industry. He worked in multiple positions within the industry before joining the New York State Restaurant Association, or NYSRA, a 75-year-old organization. Five years after he joined, which he joined in 2004, so five years later in 2009, Andrew took the helm as the executive vice president of NYSRA, and I believe around that time is when I met Andrew. In 2012, Andrew accepted a position to launch the Independent NYC Hospitality Alliance, which is quickly growing into the premier organization representing all facets of the diverse industry, of our diverse industry, which is restaurants, bars, lounges, destination hotels, and major industry suppliers. Andrew is listed on the 40 under 40 list of rising stars, New York City's next generation of political leaders. He's also a graduate of the Institute of Culinary Education in New York City. So welcome, Andrew. Thank you. How cool is this? Congrats on your show, number six. Number six. Well, thanks. It is fun. It's great great for you to come out here and be a part of it. I'm thrilled. I've called in to other shows on the network, but the first time actually being here in the studio, and I love it. So happy to be here. Well, great. Thanks for coming out to Brooklyn. So with your background, uh, as I was reading your bio and learning more about how you got started, so with your family, you that was your influence into getting into the hospitality industry? Was it something you saw uh, growing up that that was your future? <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I had any choice. I was born into it. Um, no, when I was when I was little, I remember literally probably like five years old, going in with my grandfather to the bakery at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, rolling rugula. You know, I'd be rolling it with one hand, and then he'd be like, "What's the matter with your other hand? It's broken. It doesn't work." <laughs> you know, and then taking naps on bags of flour, which probably now is a health department violation <laughs> or and, and you would know about that. Yeah. So. No, so I always worked in the industry. The bakery went back to my great-grandparents throughout Brooklyn. We had them. And then I worked at different capacities from catering, restaurants, waiters, um, did a whole bunch of things. But also loved politics. And believe it or not, there is a place where kind of the restaurant industry, uh, hospitality, and politics meet. And when I finished uh, my education over the Institute of Culinary Education, found myself at the State Restaurant Association. And the rest is... Uh, history and right now well, so when you went to culinary school was it was it to get just a, a a broader education it wasn't really i you saw yourself working in kitchens or becoming a chef i don't know i didn't really know okay. what exactly i wanted to do i knew no matter what i tried to do i would do sales here sales there try to go to school for some different type of industry but somehow the food service restaurant industry kept pulling me back and I said, well, you know what? Culinary school is probably a good idea. I focused on the management program, which was excellent at ICE. Um, it really taught me, I think, a lot about not just the restaurant industry, but business uh, and kind of professional growth um, as well. 
So it gave me a, a better idea and a better understanding that I helped kind of better gave me some of the ground framework education that allowed me to slide right in at the restaurant association and hopefully I think do my job pretty well. Oh, you definitely did. And so what was your role there? Because you moved up pretty quickly to to the top. <laughs> so so originally I would go and I remember actually in this neighborhood, but this is going back about a decade and all around I did sales membership. So I walked in and out in the August and then in the blistering cold December or January trying to explain to restaurateurs why they should join an organization and kind of unite um, to have a political voice. And, you know, it's, we're a bunch of characters in this industry. So you'd go in, you're talking to people, and that's right when, you know, right after – it's almost the same time, the smoking ban. A little bit later on came the trans fats and paid sick leave, you know, um, the letter grade system. So there's kind of this perfect storm, so to speak, of all these different issues that were impacting the industry that made restaurateurs in the city feel, you know, we need some sort of political voice. So that's kind of how I cut my teeth. I often say I really feel like I'm a restaurateur therapist. <laughs> it's really going in and listening to the problems and their issues and then trying to work with them to, you know, uh, get their restaurant open or make sure they get an A on a health department inspection or, you know, just kind of talk about industry trends and help kind of guide them and be a resource in some capacity. Excellent. So that's that's your role. It's it's been your role for a while, a long time, and that's what you're doing at the NYC Hospita- Hospitality Alliance. Sure. So the, yeah. So then okay. I fast forward. I kind of moved out of membership, and I started taking on some additional of the kind of executive uh, duties that come with you know running an organization or being you know high up in an organization. Uh, some of the communications, working with the press, um, you know, meeting with different elected officials as an advocate on all of these def- different regulatory issues. Um, and that's kind of how it grew in there at the Restaurant Association. But then a lot of the prominent figures thought, you know, we're New York City. We have a huge economic impact on the city, a huge impact on the social landscape of the city. And there's 25,000 eating and drinking establishments. Maybe it's time we have our own independent New York City organization. And that was about a year and a half ago. Yeah, it's pretty new. I think it's fabulous. And I was just looking at your roster of, you know, your founding trustees. Mm -hmm. And you had Jeffrey Chaudhary and Keith McNally and Michael Stillman and Simon Oren and all these really top restaurateurs uh, that you're working with. So tell me more about the organization. And can can anyone be a member? Can I be a member? We do have a corporate partnership. Um, most of our efforts focus on you know eating and drinking establishments within the five boroughs. So if you're eating and drinking establishment, whether you're a multi-unit operator, fine dining, you know, or uh, you know more casual dining, restaurant, nightlife, hotel, you're eligible to become a member. Actually, in a year and a half, we have over 1,100 restaurants and nightlife venues that wow. have joined. So we're all growing. And New York City based. Correct. Any of the boroughs? Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, all throughout the five okay. boroughs. Um, so it was really kind of the idea of many of these more prominent industry figures, many of whom you named, to get this organization off the ground. You know, it's not an easy thing. And I know many uh, people in the industry over the years have tried to create an own organization. But, but forever, whatever reason, the stars align, the right people came to the table to help us get this organization off the ground. And I think when many people, whether they're single unit operators, they have two restaurants, they've been around in the industry for 20 years or for, you know, two months, when they see 
all the serious business people that are involved in the organization, they take it seriously, and that's why we've, you know, due in part to our success. So whether you're large or small, you can join. We do have a corporate partnership that uh, is great. It's for people that sell a product or a service to the industry, and not to get too much into the details, but there is that opportunity. We really try to create unique uh, you know, experiences and opportunities for our corporate partners. Excellent. So these ser- tell me more about the services you're providing your clients, or the members, rather. So one of them is, poli- I'd say, the reason the organization exists in the first place is the political advocacy. I mean, you work with so many restaurateurs. I'm sure you hear all the daunting stories about the complicated yeah. regulations. And I hear it, and I'm glad someone else is dealing with it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So what we do is we meet with elected officials both here in New York City as well as the state level um, and advocate to streamline the permit and licensing process so restaurants can you know open up faster they can expand faster uh, and then also try and clarify a lot of vague laws or complicated laws when it relates to wage and hour issues labor issues you hear a lot about uh, provide guidance on you know health care reform and what that means for the industry and a lot of general consulting go back again to the restaurateur therapist <laughs> i feel like we always kind of try and talk people through their issues and often we can answer a lot of their operational questions whether it's about you know how frequently am i going to be inspected by the health department or you know how do i comply with a certain labor law often you know we have a great team of professionals on board that can help answer these questions if we can't do something in house we usually have a professional NPR or some other industry that we can connect our members with. So the advocacy, I'd call it general operational industry consulting. Then we do a lot of education and training. We do the food protection certification, which is like a mandated course for some food workers uh, in two and a half days instead of five. We've done responsible service of alcohol training. Yesterday we had a seminar on uh, the difference between employees and 1099 uh, contractors. We have something coming up on how to uh, comply with the new paid sick leave law, which takes effect April 1st, and which there's a hearing tomorrow at the city council on to expand the law yeah, before it lot, takes effect. A lot going on. So it's a yeah. lot. And you have, I, I think it's excellent that you're this well, therapist or this <laughs> support mm-hmm. or, you know, this friend mm-hmm. of of the restaurants that you're helping them through these issues because i think a lot of times people open open a restaurant but they don't know they don't know about all these regulations or how to you know they need someone to give them advice and that's the biggest them. thing you know look people come to you i'm sure and ask you all different questions whether they're a new restaurant or existing restaurant about public relations so what we've tried to do with the alliance is look at all the different needs of the industry kind of bring it under one umbrella, do as much as we can possibly do. But if we can't do it in-house, connect them with Shari. Connect them with, you know, uh, an, an architect or a designer or whatever it may be, a labor lawyer. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you. And well, and I refer people right back to you to answer all you. the questions that I cannot <laughs> answer. Okay, terrific. We're going to take a quick break here. You're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Oh, won't you save all your pumpkin pie just for me, girl? Please don't give none away. Let it get sweeter by the day. Oh, won't you save it, baby? Won't you save it? Oh, won't you save it all for me? 
You're listening to Pumpkin Pie by the California Honey Drops on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I want you to save all your cherry jam. I want you to save all your cherry jam. Won't you save all your cherry jam just for me, girl? Please don't give none away. Let it get sweeter by the day. I oh, want you save it, baby. Won't you save it? I oh, want you save it all for me. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, free-range, sustainably produced, humane. Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef, the authentic flavor of the American West. I want you to save it, baby. Save all your pumpkin pie. I want you save all your pumpkin pie. I want you save all your pumpkin pie. Just for me. Hi, welcome back. This is Sherry Bayer on All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm chatting with Andrew Ridgie today of the New York City Hospitality Alliance. And we're talking about advo- advocacy and policies and laws and regulations and all the services you provide. So what are some, Andrew, what are some of the the biggest challenges now with these policies restaurants are facing today? I'd say there's a few issues that really impact the industry that we see restaurant operators have the most questions about or the most concerns about. You know, one has been the health department and the letter grade system. We've really been working closely with uh, the city, the health department, to make sensible reforms to the letter grade system. You know, everyone supports high food safety standards, but we believe that there's a way to ensure high food safety standards and reduce the regulatory burdens. Because, as I'm sure so many people, especially if you're listening to this show, have heard, you know, in 2012, 2013, the health department is bringing in over $50 million a year in health department fines on the backs of small business owners around the city. It's unacceptable. Um, there was no you know, foodborne illness epidemic. So really reforming that system and also assisting. One of the things that we've done, I mentioned before, we offer the food protection certification, but now we've also started offering mock on-site health department inspections so we can really educate business owners not only about what is a violation, but why it's a violation, and then how to correct it. Right, and later, well, we could talk about it a bit now, but there was a big article in the Wall Street Journal, and Eater picked it up too, about these mock inspections or some companies doing it, and then the Eater article cited how, how you are offering that service, and I think it's I think it's cool. How are you, I was curious to know, who are, who are you, who's doing the inspections on behalf of your organization sure like how do they know what what the ins and outs are we have uh a former director that was high up in the city's health department that has also worked in other cities at health departments uh licensed registered sanitarian so someone that's actually very very passionate about food safety um and has also worked in different capacities within the food service industry you know it was really important for us you know not just to find some ex-inspector that 
uh, you know, it was okay. We really wanted to find the best person or best people and bring them on board because if we're going to be an association representing the New York City restaurant hospitality industry, you know, we need to have the right people in place. And that's what we've tried to do, whether it's, uh, you know, with food safety, labor law, liquor licenses, insurance, you name it, we need to have the right people in place. Great. Well, I think that's 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 awesome. You're doing that because I know I know that is a big issue. There's a lot healthcare reform. Um, this has been incredible. So we do these seminars, and it's impossible to get lots of restaurant people into a room at one time. It's very very difficult. Just short of impossible. Well, there's not really a good time of day. There's never. Maybe maybe start doing it like two in the morning <laughs> yes, <laughs> with, yeah. with alcohol yes. involved. <laughs> we have found that uh, from about 9.30 to 11.30, so kind of pre-lunch service, um, a lot of times a lot of people aren't opening for breakfast or they can at least sneak away, or 2.30 to 4.30 in between lunch and dinner, we can usually draw a crowd. Tuesdays also tend to be a good day for the industry to come out as well. That being said, healthcare reform... We've done multiple seminars. We're attracting between like 60 and 100 plus restaurant people in a room to listen about com- to complicated, complex uh, instructions on how they have to figure out how they're going to comply with the Affordable Care Act. That's amazing. So it really struck a nerve, you know, with paid sick leave, the same thing. April 1st, it's going to require that uh, businesses throughout the city, including restaurants, hospitality businesses, provide their employees with paid sick days. Now, you know, it sounds kind of straightforward, but the devil is always in the details. So it's the administrative burdens on top of the additional costs um, that become a challenge. And because the restaurant industry with tipped employees and people working doubles and all of these kind of quirky ways that in which the industry works make administering these types of benefits and complying with these laws a little bit more, I should say, a lot more challenging than some uh, sometimes in other industries. Yeah, well, it's great you do these seminars too, and I've I've been to one of the ones you did this past year. I look forward to going to more because I like getting an education too. It's you know, it's it's good for me to be more knowledgeable about what's going on, even though you know a lot more than I do. <laughs> no, but it's great. I think like you know, it's you can never know everything about everything, and it's all about connecting the right people, and that's what the alliance does. Sometimes it's not even our professionals, but one of the things that's right. a huge benefit is just get a couple industry people in a room they like to talk about the different vendors they're using the different challenges different trends you know where their lunch sales or dinner sales or table turns you know the same this week as they were you know the same week over the past three years you know it's just helpful connecting people and since it's a 24 7 nights weekends holiday industry you know people don't always get to chat and have those kinds of discussions yeah you bring people together so what would you? What, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to open a restaurant and bar in New York City? Hmm. Don't do it. No, just go kidding. see a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously, uh, first you have to have worked in the industry. 
working in some different capacities first. You know, it really is a lifestyle. It's not just serving your friends and your family, being a great cook or a hospitable host. You really have to be a professional. You have to understand food costs. You have to understand regulations. See, a lot of restaurateurs now are like chief compliance officers. So really go work in the industry in different capacities. Talk to different people. You know, if you want to open a restaurant, you'll be able to open a restaurant. But you really want to do it right. Um, because it's like a baby. You know, it's not one of those things that you just open up at 9, close at 5, 24-7. Yeah, no, get experience, absolutely. Yeah, learn how to be that. a plumber, learn how to fix things. Um, you wear you know. a lot of hats. Exactly. Excellent. Well, okay, so... But, sorry, oh, I, sorry. No, I, it's, a great, it's a great industry. didn't want to say negative, but if you oh, go I, through I, all of We're this, in the industry, yeah. so we obviously exactly. think it's great. <laughs> so if, if you go through all of that and these challenges kind of excite you, and it, you know, it, it's either in your blood or it's not. So if you've gone through and you've really, really thought about it, you've really had um, you know, different experiences within the industry, then there's nothing better. But you have to know what you're getting yourself into or try to to the greatest extent possible. Very true. Cool. So last week I had on Glenn Coben, who... Such a good guy. He is a good guy. And he's from Glenn and Company. And I asked him to ask you a question. And I don't know if you listened to the show, but Glenn's question is not what I thought it was going to be. But I'm curious about your answer. So Glenn asked... What will the Giants do about offense next year? And how far did you throw the ball when you were on the field? I see. Two questions. Yeah, well, you know. (laughs) Good one. So, yes, no, I I know because Glenn and I have spoke about this before. Uh, The Giants, offensive line, they need a deeper offensive line. They need to stop with all of the injuries and... Eli needs to stop throwing so many interceptions. So I'd say they really need to have a deeper uh, offensive line. So if people do get hurt, they have other people to put in and protect Eli. He needs some time. If you give him time to throw the ball, he can throw the ball. Protect Eli. I like it. So are the Giants, is that your team? That is my team. Okay. So is that how you got on the field? I got on the field. (laughs) I was very, very fortunate. One of the perks of the job was I was able to be on the Super Bowl host committee, which was made up of amazing, amazing people. The, the list of names on the host committee, I don't know how I got on there, but well, it was a great because, experience. Because you're awesome. That's how you got on there. Thank you. It was a great list of people, and uh, we got to do some cool things, including a meeting over at uh, MetLife Stadium, where after the meeting, we were all invited onto the field. So I got a great, I had many great photos, but one of which I think Glenn was referring to that I posted on Facebook was me right about at the 40-yard line uh, getting ready to throw the ball. And I saw the photo. It's I, a great photo. It's, it's a pretty cool one. It's, it's, it's one of those, you know, things that you always kind of hold on to. So how far did I throw it? Um, I'd <laughs> like to say 85 yards. We, we weren't there. so We weren't there. But in that photo, to be direct, that photo specifically, after I threw it to per- the person who took the photo, and they were probably maybe 15, 20 yards from me. So, you know. I'm a good runner, though, too. It's not all about the arm. <laughs> well, Eli has a backup then, right? There, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, my follow-up question is, did you go to the Super Bowl? I did not go to the Super Bowl. I didn't either. I went to the boulevard, though. Oh, nice. 
that was that was something else. I, I thought it was say. cool. This is on from 34th Street to 47th on Broadway, right through Times Square. They set up a ginormous boulevard with lots of activities. And did you see the toboggan? I did. I. If it wasn't so cold, <laughs> I would have waited in line and, and done it. But I kind of just walked through because the lines were incredible. It kind of remi- it was so cold out and it was so packed. It kind of reminded me like of people getting re- getting ready to go to Times Square for uh, New Year's or something. There were so many people just bearing the cold out there, having a great time. So I thought it was uh, it was really cool. I didn't go to the game. You know it was an interesting game to say the least uh, what a what a blowout a little but. a little one-sided yes <laughs> well but that's that's very cool I'm glad I'm glad we talked about this yes me too all right so we're gonna take a quick break here we'll come back and we'll do my speed round and industry news discussion so this is all in the industry and heritage radio network we'll be right back You don't have to cry no more. You don't have to sigh no more. This is All You Got to Do by the California Honey Drops on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'll make everything all right. Oh, yes, I will. You don't have to love. You know. Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Okay, we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and my guest today is Andrew Riggi. Okay, Andrew, it's time for my speed round questions. Are you ready? I'm ready as I can be. Okay, just just say whatever comes to mind. I'm going to give you two choices and just pick pick one. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Both. <laughs> Wine, beer, or cocktail? I've been drinking a lot of Manhattans lately, but I also like beer. All right, I'll take that. Tasting menu or a la carte? Depends the restaurant. 
I'm horrible at this. I can't <laughs> give it to a, a, a politician. Or, uh, that's okay. Uh, well, the lot of ties. That's fine. No one's. There's no. There's no Good. right it's or wrong better, answer. It's, yeah, it's better than the yes or no. At least I can. Uh, okay, we'll keep going. How about small plates or large plates? Small plates. Uptown or downtown? I live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. A lot is happening there with restaurants and what's going on in Harlem. It's like it's incredible. I spent a lot of time growing up downtown. So right now, I like uptown. That's awesome because I think most people always say you know they go with the downtown, but. Let's go with Uptown. Cool. Okay, restaurants or bars? Restaurants. Tipping. Or bars with food. <laughs> gotcha. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Bathroom attendance or get your own paper towel? There are few restaurants where I would enjoy an attendant. Um, not many. So if it is the right level of sophistication of the restaurant... I think it's a nice touch. All right. Cool. Ready for this one? Uh-oh. Cigarettes, electronic cigarettes, or no cigarettes? For me personally? Yeah, just general, generally speaking, or for you personally. I don't, I don't like cigarettes uh, personally, but I think e-cigarettes have helped a lot, a lot of people, so I'm a supporter of them. Is that the lingo e-cigarettes? It's For electronic cigarettes. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Which was a Email. big issue. Yeah. yeah, which was a big issue that we actually recently were involved with. The city council actually passed a bill where they're going to ban electronic cigarettes inside of restaurants and bars where they've actually had a lot of benefits for both the workers, mm-hmm. the customers, uh, as well as the neighbors who were always complaining about people standing out front smoking cigarettes. Reducing some of the noise pollution because people are inside puffing vapor, but I haven't seen them. I've seen chat about it on Twitter, and um, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm. If, if someone asked me, I'd say no cigarettes, and I don't really understand them. But I, I, I asked you because I figured you you knew something so, more about it. It's a whole political conversation, scientific right. conversation for another day. About, but yeah, all right. No cigarettes for me, but I think e-cigarettes are good for. Uh, a lot of people if they choose them all right very good okay two more we got dessert or cheese plate hmm. can i have a dessert have with both. a piece of cheese on it sure all right or or, or you could have cheesecake oh che- cheesecake there <laughs> <laughs> i should have thought of that i don't know i did okay one more manhattan or queens you're not going to be lived able to in queens when i was young lived in queens for a really long time live in manhattan New York City. Depends what I want. I was just back in a story where I used to live. My brother still lives there. I love, love, love a story. Just the culture. There's still like, you know, butchers. There's still these things that give neighborhoods so much culture. And like, you know, the little grandmother walking down the street preparing food. I, I love that. But I love Manhattan. It's, I can I have the best of both worlds? Yeah, <laughs> you can. Sure. Okay, so restaurant industry news. We. We spoke a little before about this Wall Street Journal article that came out on mock health inspections. So we'll move ahead. And the New York Times today gave Gotham West Market in Hell's Kitchen two stars. It's a Pete Wells review. And I, I've have you been to Gotham West Market? I'm so disappointed I have not. I was just going to go there. You have to go. Two weeks ago and something came up last minute so we couldn't go but I've heard great things about it. I love that concept, and 
the review, you know, was great. So it was. I, yeah, I I went. I went once with a friend, and we went. We went to two places. We went to uh, Ivan's Robin Shop, mm-hmm. and then we went to Seamus Mullins, Mullins' place, um, El Colmado, which is tapas and Spanish food. So we did both, and I loved it. It was. It has this industrial feel to it. Uh, it's casual. I used to live in Hell's Kitchen. So it's I'm amazed that this is happening way over on 11th Avenue. It's it's very west. And actually Pete Wells it was funny in his his review he said uh it feels feels like hell's well hell's kitchen feels like hell's freezer or something <laughs> like that because it's been so cold. Well before you said do I like downtown or uptown? You know as soon as it's going to be do you like all the way far west side? I mean Hutchinson right. Yards all the way up. Yeah, east side um, west side. Yeah, <laughs> I mean like Tortulio is an unbelievable restaurant. Um I I have to check it out. I'm happy you know that you Yeah, it's like cool. It well. It's cool. I went I was pleasantly surprised or I don't know. I wasn't expecting it to be I don't know if that's the right uh I don't know, right thing to say, because I wasn't expecting it to be bad. I just liked it even more than I thought I would. That's good, and you're out all the time seeing stuff, so that's like uh, two stars as well. Two stars, so good for them. Congratulations. Also in the New York Times, Florence Fabricant wrote about Gabriel Kruther, who was at the Modern uh, for a very long time, and he's... He's leaving to open his own new project, and they announced today it's at the Grace Building, which is across from Bryant Park. And my guest last week, Glenn Coben, is doing the design, so I thought that was very cool. And it's it should be it should be you know I'm looking forward to it. It's not going to open for probably like a year. Did you talk? I did you talk about it on the show last no, week? I listened. I didn't think you were talking. No, about Glenn it. actually after the show told me he had something coming out. But he couldn't say. He didn't want to say. So as soon as I saw it, I knew that's what he was referring to. Good with a secret, and it's difficult in this industry now with like such a microscope on what's going on. So good for them. Good for them. I'm sure it'll be an incredible project. Yeah, it's. I'm sure. I'm sure so too. And also, well, speaking of Glenn, I wanted to mention that Eater this last week. They on Sundays they do their five things you missed on Heritage Radio. Uh, by Peter Henry and number four all in the industry the ins and outs of restaurant design with Glenn Coben see that you're making waves here it's a, <laughs> it's a good show it's great it's thank exciting you when stuff like that gets picked up and only after the fourth show I know I was I was so happy because I'm used to my clients getting press but I usually I don't get press okay. <laughs> so I got, I got something that's right I'm very yeah. happy for you that's thank really, you very, thank very you cool. it was very cool and the last restaurant news I, I wanted to bring up was David Waltock is opening a place in the former uh, Veritas space. It's going to be called Elan. And David Waltock is from the beloved Chanterelle, which closed in 2009 in Tribeca. And I think that's cool. He has a new project going on. I love when we hear about, you know, chef and restaurant tours that you know, kind of really iconic in so many ways, uh, come back and shake things up and get back into the scene. There's so many great young new chefs around. But when you hear one of kind of these classic uh, people, you know, getting back in, opening something up, it's uh, it's great. Yeah, it's exciting. And and I, I work with a restaurant on that block called County, and they're right across the street. And I think it's East 20th Street between 
Broadway and Park. And it's a, it's a mini restaurant row because on that block you have Gramercy Tavern, the new Il Molino, Marivana, and then Beecher's. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a small block. Difficult That's a place of- to find something good to eat, huh? <laughs> I, I, well, Gramercy is re- really has a lot going on. I mean, you have ABC Kitchen around the corner. And there's a lot of great places. There are so many great restaurants around New York City in such small areas. Like you said, on one block. It's unbelievable. And we're lucky. So many of them just, you know, they're busy. They have a following. Uh, so it's great. I think when you have clusters of great restaurants, it, it, it helps them all be successful to a great extent. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. Okay, cool. So we're going to take one more quick break here. We'll be right back with my solo dining experience on All in the Industry and Heritage Radio Network. This is Rain by the California Honey Drops on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Okay, welcome back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Okay, wow, did I have a great one this week. I headed down to Narcissa, which is Michelin star chef John Frazier's restaurant, which is also owned by Andre Belaz, and it's at the Standard Hotel in the East Village. And according to Narcissa's website, it says, The restaurant marries the clean flavors and impeccably sourced ingredients of California cuisine with new techniques of roasting, rotisserie, and slow cooking. Featuring seasonal, local, and organic produce from Andre Belas's Hudson Valley Farm, Locus on the Hudson. Sounds pretty good, right? Okay, so now this place, it's a, it's a hot new restaurant and a challenging reservation to get. So I went solo as a walk-in. I was planning to sit at the bar. And when I, when I got there, they asked me if I preferred to sit at the chef's counter. I said, yes, please. Because in my opinion, that's always the best place to sit so if anyone ever asks you if you want to sit at the chef's counter, say yes. You'll thank me later. 
Okay, for the food, it was really phenomenal. Uh, seriously. And you guys know I eat out a lot. So I was impressed. Um, I will have to bring my mom back here because I had one of the best beet dishes I've ever had. And she orders beets wherever they, whenever they are on the menu. And John Fraser makes a mean beet. It was rotisserie crisped. Okay? Rotisserie crisped beet. So, Mom, we're going to have to go back and get that. That sounds good. <laughs> it was. It was. You know, you see beets a lot on menus, and it was... I, I was just impressed. My you mom know? used to give me beets when I was a kid, and I always loved them, but I never saw them. And I'm so happy now these days are on menus everywhere. So Yeah, they are. Well, very cool. Okay, so I also had the Dungeness Crab Salad, which was with blood orange, hearts of palm, and hazelnut. And the carrot fries, because I kept hearing, you have to get the carrot fries. And it was, all, it was all delicious. And, you know, this is the plus of sitting at the chef's counter and the plus of when you know the chef. <laughs> because I saw, I saw um, Chef John Frazier, and he sent me out his barley risotto with little neck clams, which was another winner. And guess who has the chef's number for my next reservation? <laughs> so it was, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience. And I look forward to, to going back. And I'm very happy for them. I really think this, this place is going to do well. So you can find out more, about, more information about Narcissa on their website is NarcissaRestaurant.com. Okay, now we're going to do my final question in a moment. I just want to explain what's happening for my next show. So next Wednesday, I'm actually escaping the polar vortex and I'm going down to Miami for South Beach Food and Wine Festival and I get to see my parents. So it's awesome. I'm very excited. But please do not fear. We have a a show for you that I've done with Joe Allegro, who is the director of culinary and special events at Share Strength. And we talk about charity and how he's worked with restaurants and chefs and and it's great. So please tune in next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Then the following week, February 26th, which happens to be my birthday, I will be here with the fabulous Pat LaFreda of Pat LaFreda Meat Purveyors. And Pat's going down to South Beach, too. He's actually one of the main sponsors of the event. He, he sponsors the Burger Bash and I think a few more, more of the headlining events. So Pat's going to be on here on the 26th. And... Um, I'm looking forward to that. So that's my that's my lead-in for you, Andrew, because we're going to skip next week and move ahead to February 26th when Pat LaFrieda is going to be on the show, and I want to see if you can ask him a question. Hmm. My question. What is his favorite fish? Very good. And two more questions, if possible, since... Everyone likes to... Yeah, yeah. That seems to be a theme here. Ask away. (laughs) But then also, I always like to ask people, what is the most challenging part of his business? And then what is the part of his business that makes up for those challenges and makes his work uh, all worth it? All right. Very cool. I will ask him all that, and uh, please, everyone, tune in then, and please also tune in next week when I talk with Joe, Joe Allegro of Share Strength. Okay, Andrew, we're just about out of time here, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Anytime. Congrats on all the success so far, and hopefully I'll be back sometime sooner than later. Ah, I would love to have you back. 
Okay, so Andrew is the executive director of the NYC Hospitality Alliance. Their website, which is a great resource you can go to, is the New York City, N- the NYC Alliance.org. Uh, Andrew is also on Twitter at Andrew Ritchie and at the NYC Alliance. And, you know, one more thing, I'm just going to throw it out there because it's live radio and why not? I want to go down as the first person to say, well, maybe I'm not the first, but I think you're going to be mayor one day. <laughs> Has anyone said that to you? I, no? I, people have said things that may be somewhat related to that. I like, <laughs> I, I, I like restaurants. That's, I like restaurants. Okay. I'm, I was throwing it out there so I could get invited to like the mayor's ball or whatever. Would you but vote for me? I would totally vote for you. Awesome. You're awesome. All right. Well, there's one vote. All right. Cool. Thank and you. and I, you don't you don't have to go in that direction, don't because I suggested it. You we know, have a long time. Who no did, peer did you know, pressure did you here. Know you were going to have a radio show a few years ago. Never, not not in the plan. But publicist wasn't in the plan either. So I'm kind of spontaneous with my career. Just keep doing what we do, and <laughs> things will happen. So we'll see. Yes, excellent. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. And anyone out there who wants to find me, you can go to my Facebook page, All in the Industry. My company is Bayer Public Relations, and the website's BayerPublicRelations.com. Twitter, All Industry, at Sherry Bayer, and at Bayer PR. Okay, so thanks, everyone. Oh, you can also find us on Heritage Radio Network. Um, this, this live broadcast will be there, and we're on Stitcher. So thanks to my aunt. To Evan, my engineer, and everyone at Heritage Radio Network. It's really great to be a part of this family. And as I said, I'll be back for a live, seg- live segment on February 26th at 4 p.m. And next week, there will be a great show at 4 p.m. as well with Joe Allegro. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed listening. This is Sherry Bayer, and you, this has been All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.